When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Kia ora, good morning and welcome to the show. It is Izzy and Ricardo for breakfast on SENZ at five past six and uh, it's pretty emphatic in the end, Izzy. The South Africans stubborn resistance for a while but they couldn't hold out the New Zealand bowling attack and the test is all over in four days. Yeah, pretty embarrassing, isn't it? Pretty uh, bit of a mockery for test cricket. That kind of result up against, uh, what, the club side, really. No disrespect to South Africa, but you know, made to look very, very average. And uh, the Black Caps did it really easily, um, beating them by 280-odd. And I feel for Robbie, missed out on his uh, on his punt there, with Matt Henry only <laughs> getting one wicket off 11 overs. Cole Jamison taking all the glory on the final day. Um, you'd think that was an assured thing, but hey... That is punting, um, but yeah, made made to look easy, and uh, yeah, had a good good chat with a bloke that played a bit of cricket yesterday. I won't name him, but had a good chat about it and just about the whole current state of Test cricket and the importance of Test cricket and where it stands when a team in a nation like that sends a team like this down here, and uh, the result. Wow, it was a it was a laugh, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, to be honest, I, it wasn't as one-sided as I thought. And I mean, you know, and I know what do you a, mean? Well, it was a pretty one-sided result. Like <laughs> if you look at it on paper, but I mean, when New Zealand went into bat, mm. you know, the South African attack. Uh, I think we mentioned this with Jeremy Coney when he was on the other day. It wasn't like they had a a big wicket-taker like a Mitchell Stark or Shane Bond, but they made it difficult for New Zealand to score runs. They really tried to throttle the New Zealand batting uh, and force the batsmen into making mistakes playing shots they shouldn't play. Uh, so, yeah, from that point of view, I thought the South African side, I mean, you can't blame the 11 that are out there. They're the guys that selected, so they go out there and do their job. But I think they, I thought they made the job of the Black Caps batsmen a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Oh, um, yeah. Look, oh mate, one of them. What was the quickest? One twenty-five. Yeah, you know, you'd love to face that every single day. Like no one with any hit. You think in the past, and Tini Stain, just players from from all over the globe. That is there an appetite to bowl quick now? Because you, you've seen it with you know England. You've got Mark Wood. You've got Mitchell Stark. But relatively everywhere around around the country, around the globe. There isn't that out-and-out pace. A batsman have more time on, on their hands. And I guess when you're, you're playing an outfit like that, Ricardo, you, your mindset probably lapses a bit. Like Kane Williamson, when he skied one in that first innings, you'd never seen Kane do that. He's, he's so patient with the way he approaches the game. Mm. He got a little bit frustrated, but that was a sitter, and he got dropped, and then he got dropped mm. again, and Ravindra got dropped. Like the, the, the fielding out there... Well, it was atrocious, you know, betting him in that second and he showed a little bit of fight, shouldn't get an 80 odd, but outside of that, it was it was pretty disastrous, really, from South Africa. But you take the result, 
Um, my only concern is when we win the series, you know, how do we feel post the series after facing a team like that? Yeah, well, it's that old adage, though, isn't it? You can only beat what's put in front of you. Yeah, so I'm not putting anything on mm. um, New Zealand or the Blackheads. We've got a full-strength side. Um, but when you look at it from a global point of view, like Test cricket is slowly becoming, you know, in, in the background, the back seat to T20 at the moment. Well, they're trying to save their domestic game over in South Africa um, because that's where the money's at. And I think when T20 cricket is at a stage now, you know, where, where does it go? Has it reached its its limits here with the 20-over game, with the amount of money that's at its disposal? When it gets to the pinnacle and people start falling off and, you know, do they start going to a 15-over game, a 10-over game, mm. you know, and then we lose test cricket even more because our sole focus is on T twenty short termism. Um, oh no, it's just a good debate to have. Like, yeah, I mean, it we was don't in... play much Test cricket. T twenty is always a competition that everyone plays. And as a player's point of view, why should I play Test cricket for five days, ruin my body when I can go earn five times the amount of money playing T twenty for a month? Yeah, well, that, and that's an argument, man. That, that's a real, that's a really big argument. It was interesting. I'm, I'm, I used to work with um, Simon Dole. And obviously he's well ensconced in the IPL as a commentator and things now. And he was of the, I'd be interested to see what his opinion is now and if it's changed, but he was of the opinion when the IPL was first launching, you know, maybe second season, third season, that sort of thing, it was really just starting to take off. Um, He was of the opinion that T20 cricket should only be franchise cricket. They shouldn't have international T20s. Mm. Just, okay. just keep it as the, and he said, and then that keeps the calendar cl- a little clearer uh, in mm. terms of for international cricket, so we can play, I get, for want of a better term, proper cricket in terms of from an international point of view. Yeah, it's it's just a thought of I've, I've had, and and just having a nice little chat to a bloke yesterday about it, and um, want to hear your thoughts, like with with that test series, a great one. Don't get me wrong. Good to beat South Africa, dominated them, won it in four days. Now we go to Hamilton to, to wrap up this series. Are there going to be any changes from a Black Caps point of view? Where does South Africa go now? Has they got anyone that could come in and salvage the series for them? But, um, yeah, it was just a, a thought. Like From an athlete's point of view and a player's point of view, thinking about it from their point of view is you're like, well, from, why am I going to go try and bowl fast for three days, slog my guts out, probably cause some injuries where I can go to South Africa, India, um, United States, and play for 20 overs and bowl a maximum of four overs? You know, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. But test cricket, I love it. It's a test, and it's five days. You know, that's where you figure out who's got it, who doesn't have it. And um, at the moment, I just think it's slowly altering. Mm. Took there now and down here. Yeah, yeah. No, I hear, I hear, I hear what you're saying, and we want to hear from you too. Double eight, double three uh, is the temper bed post text machine coming up on the show. Luke Alfred, out of South Africa, South African cricket journalist. Uh, he's uh, he's going to give us his thoughts, and uh, it'd be interesting to see what the vibe is in South Africa about mm. this test match and uh, and the way things have played out versus keeping the best players at home for the T20 uh, s- series. Uh, after 7 o'clock, 
Uh, we're going to talk to Sam Brief. He's a uh, Chicago-based uh, NBA reporter and commentator. Uh, we'll catch up with him. It is the trade deadline window today. We'll see who's done what, who's come out of it better, who needed to do more, and why uh, GM uh, of the LA Lakers, LeBron James, hasn't been able to get anything done. Uh, we'll also catch up with Megan Williams, who's going to be one of our stars uh, potentially at the Paris Olympics. The BMX World Cup is uh, on our doorstep this weekend in Rotorua. Megan is going to be uh, part of the New Zealand team competing there, and we'll uh, get her take on that and uh, what our chances of getting a couple of riders in Paris are. And then Craig McMillan former New Zealand Black Cap uh, batsman and batting coach as well is going to join us after 8 o'clock. Round one, fight. It is time for the triple threat, the three big questions of the day. Over in Australia, the, uh, the Aussie punders have pretty much written off the breakers' chances now that Anthony Lamb has busted his Achilles and is out for nine months. But Modi Mayor is pretty confident they can make the playoffs. Do you think the Breakers can make the playoffs, yes or no? And how did your mentality change in the Crusaders if, I don't know, DC or Richie weren't available? Did did you find that the team lifted and everybody did a little bit more, or is that not how it worked? Um, just to answer the first question, how they're going to make it, they need to win three of the last four, and they're going to have to rely on the likes of Delaney, Cheatham, Magot, Methang, and... Uh, Isaiah Leafa, you got McDowell White, Tom Abercrombie on the perimeter. So it's going to be tough. They're going to have to dig deep. Um, three of the last four, they beat the Perth Wildcats. It's mm. been a long time since In they travelled west and worst to Perth and beaten them. So, look, they would have taken so much confidence from that. I think they can do it. I think they've, you know, with Anthony Lamb, that's a huge loss. Like He was the go-to man, averaging 17-odd points a game. Uh, how do we get through it? I, I think the wording has to be important from Modi Mayor. You know, when Dan Carter went down in 2011 in, in Wellington against Canada, for a young bloke like myself, I'll be honest, I was like, oh my God, we can't win this. This is our best player. Mm. Yeah, there's no chance in hell. And then, you know, Graham Henry comes in the changing room. And the way that he instilled belief into the next man up mentality, Colin Slade and Colin we trust. You know, Colin is a fine player. We're going to rally around Colin. We're going to give him everything necessary to go out there and uh, do what he needs to do. But we need you all to focus on your jobs and become the best players in that position in the world. So it's all around the wording and and the way you approach it because a lot of thoughts will be going through the younger players' heads. But the big, you know, experienced players, particularly Tom Abercrombie, he's going to really step up and Modi may all... And, and um, you know, everyone's ridden them off. Don't you love that? The underdog mentality. Come on then, ride us off at your own peril. We'll go out there and no one expects him to make the playoffs. No one expects him to get to the playoff finals. So go out there and, and prove them wrong. Desire. Dog mentality. Yeah, dog it. Dog it. All right. Now, Curtis Scott. The NRL bad boy is, uh, can't play NRL at the moment, uh, so he's, he's turned to boxing. And they're talking about who he might fight. Uh, Tavita Pangai Jr., Matt Lodge have been floated as potential opponents. He was asked about Dylan Walker. I don't know if you remember this. When Curtis Scott was at Melbourne and Dylan Walker was at Manly, they had a, uh, a crack mm. at each other, and uh, Dylan Walker ended up with a fractured eye socket off the back of it. Mm. Uh, and Curtis Scott 
was asked recently about whether or not he'd want Walker to get into the ring with him. And uh, <laughs> he uh, certainly said that uh, he's keen to, to go around again, and uh, he's pretty sure that Dylan wants to get one back. Um, seems to have held on, if you read that interview. I can't quote most of it because there's F-bombs all through it. But, um, <laughs> but uh, is there anybody... Uh, is he, uh, what are you trying to do here, Ricardo? What headline are you trying to create oh, no, for a potential no. fight for life, mate? What a question. <laughs> Anyone that you would love to crack <laughs> from your time in the game, oh, or is my. it just me? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, my goodness, Scott, he's not a big bloke, but he's obviously he's got anger, anger management, mm. anger issues. Uh, look. I had an opportunity to fight Billy Slater for the Fight for Life in 2012. Yeah. I turned that down, and no, go, no, I'm no life, no, no, no chance of me going out there and fighting Billy Slater. But hey, everyone used to think I had a competition with Ben Smith. Everyone thought we, you know, must have hated each other, and we played the same position. Everyone asked the question. I was in the supermarket the other day, and he come, the bloke comes up to me, "Hey, bro, can I ask you a question?" I was like, "Yeah, bro, what's up?" He goes. Who's a better fullback, you or Ben Smith? And I was like, oh, my God, what a loser. Can you go away, mate? Like some people just think it's the funniest thing in the world. So what? Why not? Let's chuck us in the ring. Me and Bender. Yeah, you and Bender. Go for it. All mm. right. I'll give Dan Lonergan a call. <laughs> round three. Oh. All right, round three. Now, I was, I was looking uh, through the TAB app the other day. Uh, I picked up a bit of coin off a couple of tips that we got yesterday. So I was just like, uh, oh, where, where can I reinvest this? And I saw a name pop up, is he? In the mm-hmm. women's tennis, WTA, there's an Australian tennis player who I reckon must have close to the best name in <laughs> sport. Her name is Storm Hunter. Okay. It sounds like she should be an action hero in Hollywood. Sounds like the sort of thing when you sit down at the uh, at the picture theatre, you might hear this. In a world where the line between good and evil is clouded, when bad men go unchecked and the poor and defenseless are at the mercy of the unscrupulous, the world needs a hero, one that strikes twice and rumbles long and hard. That hero, Storm Hunter. <laughs> I feel like she should be on X Men, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but Storm Hunter, it is such a great name. It is such an action hero name. Is that the best name in sport? What do you reckon? It's pretty darn good. It's pretty darn good for sure. Storm Hunter, never heard of it. Never heard of it. Um, wow. Wow. Uh, that is a very good one. It's hard to top that, but look, the first name that came to my mind, and mm. it's not a it's not a great name, but it's a funny name. Phil McCracken. Phil Is that Jared's dad? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like that's that's the first thing that came to mind. Just have a laugh. But um I, I like Chad Johnson, Chad Okosinko. Changed his name from Chad Johnson, the great Bengals wide receiver, and now he's Ochocinco, and he does a um, now a podcast with Shannon Sharp. It's good, good crack up. So good to to have a little listen there. Odell Beckham Jr. I think that's a funky name. Matthew Wolf plays golf. Um, yeah, look, I was having to think. It was hard to really top because you need a good name that leads into a strong name for for a um, surname. Um, so it was hard for me to. You got any others? I was well, thinking about this for well, ages. I was struggling. The the uh, IndyCar driver, the Aussie, Will Power. 
Oh, well, Bowers, yeah. Because I, yeah, yeah. I, I used to go, I, there's a mate of the old man's that used to play football with called, his name was, uh, he's from, from Manchester, his name was Shea Power, and he mm. had, named, had named his son Max. Max <laughs> Power. <laughs> Gone in the days of, are the days of being creative with names coming back? I think so. Yeah, I think they are too. Because it's a good shout on Odell Beckham Jr. Because he sounds like he could be playing bass in George Clinton's band or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, it just sounds funky. Like Beckham is one of the most popular names in the world. Odell, really see that often. And then a Chucker Jr. in there. It's, yeah, it's got a nice feel for it. Um, but yeah, let us know. Double eight, double three. Great sports names or great names that you've heard of that you think, wow, that's a nice name. I might name my kids that. Or aren't you lucky to have a cool name like that? Or, you know, something like that. Just let us know. Double eight, double three. Yeah, double eight, double three. There's plenty of them around, I'm sure, and there's, there'll be plenty at club club level that we haven't heard about. We want to hear from you. As as he said, double eight, double three, and it is uh, today. We are re, re, renaming it. Mm. It is... Izzy's investment, not Dagger's donation. So we want your options. Best bet for the weekend <laughs> as well. Get them through to us. Double eight, double three. You're listening to SENZ Breakfast, powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors, and land pride attachments. It is 6.26 here on Izzy and Ricardo for breakfast on SENZ 0800 1508 11 8833. That's how you can get hold of us. We're talking about funniest names in sport, uh, and there are plenty of them coming through, Izzy. You do it. Oh, you want me, oh, you want me to do it? Okay. Well, you know, oh, we were, do that one. We were talking about Storm Hunter, the Aussie tennis player, and what you know—that's the most Hollywood name. So, what other good names are there? And, uh, this one's come through: Dick Trickle, the NASCAR driver. It sounds like mm. something you could probably go to the doctor for. Um, there's uh, Chris has sent through uh, a couple of people he went to school with. Uh, there was Tom Thomas and Joe King. Um, so, Joe King. Yeah, Joe King. Well, actually, Joe King, you know, Stephen King. His son's mm. name is Joe. Sad guy. Sad guy. He, yeah, he writes, writes are you him. Joe King? Are you Joe King? <laughs> no, I'm not Joe King. Well, actually, yes, I am Joe King, but I'm not joking. Um, now, this, this one, Izzy, it might take a bit of explaining. If you've not seen the clip from The Chase, yeah, but the game show, The Chase, you know that one? Mm-hmm. The answer to mm-hmm. one of the questions was the name of, of, of a former German skier who I think had uh, had represented Germany at the Olympics. And her surname is spelt C-H-M-E-L-A-R, and it is pronounced Schmeller. Uh, and her first name is Fanny. So you can put those words together and figure that one out. I know that Bradley Walsh, who is the host of uh, The Chase, uh, just about lost it. Well, he did lose He completely lost it. was just about unable to carry on to do his job after hearing that. Yeah, I, I, I've got a list here, and, and I would have lost it too, honestly. Um, <laughs> thank you for, for that, that message on double eight double three. Former world uh, NBA player Meta World Peace, formerly known as Ron Artest, now known as Meta Sanford Artest. Thank you very much. I've got another one here. Uh, baseballer mm. Steve Schartz. <laughs> <laughs> Straight up, Steve Schartz. Um, a Phoenix Mercury basketball player, Dewana Boner. <laughs> I'm not lying, mate. I'm reading them, okay? <laughs> And then another old uh, manager for the Boston Red Sox, or oh, his name is Dick Sizzler. Dick Sizzler. 
<laughs> and we'll just give you one more before we um, we'll take off. So it's a Jap- Japanese Olympian, mm-hmm. and it's called Yoshi Takeshita. <laughs> Yoshi Takeshita. Oh, dear, it's too much prune juice. Yeah, so there's, there's a couple of goodies coming there, but uh, we were looking for good names, but we've gone off on a, on a little tack here and we've found funny names. Look, honestly, I'll be completely honest. My yeah. name is Dag. Yeah. I got called Sheep Dags all the time. Fred? Sheep Dags, yep. Do you get Fred yeah, Lots? Yeah. Fred Dag, you know, blah, blah, mm. blah. And I said, well, actually, a dag on the back of a, of a sheep mm. is D-A-G. My last name's D-A-G-G, so no... Similarities to it's, the actual dags on sheep. You but got hey, extra G because you're so gangster, guy. eh? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Double gangster. But hey, yes. just keep them coming. We're having a giggle today. Double eight, it's double three. Send thing. them through. Uh, we'll, we'll keep talking those names if you've got them. Uh, names in sport. Uh, like Storm Hunter, who could be an action star. Uh, the best names in sport getting through to us. Double eight, double three. Time to catch up one with more, that. One more. one more. One more. One more. Gold. Men's trampolinist. And from China, mm. dong dong, <laughs> dong dong dong. It's kind of what he does, isn't it? Dong dong. Uh, yes, uh, with news for Kubota, take on any job this summer with Kubota's range. It is twenty eight away from seven, and it's back to work time at Bunnings Trade. Time for some sports news headlines for you. And um, Izzy uh, Louis Liner, son of Wallabies legend Michael, is edging towards the Harlequins exit door and a move to the United Rugby Championship. Wow. The 23-year-old is set to follow in the footsteps of his father by joining Benetton, who have emerged as favourites to sign him. The former England age-grade international was born in Treviso in December 2000, the city where his father spent five seasons uh, after moving to play in Europe in 1991. A move to Treviso could now settle the question of where Liner, who qualifies for England through residency, Australia through his father, Italy through his birth and his Italian-born mother will pin his international colours. Uh, he was a first approached by Kieran Crowley two years ago about playing for the Azzurri, but he was included uh, in England squads by Eddie Jones' training squads, but he was never capped, so he could mm. end up representing Italy. And more so than that, we talked about it the other day, but the, now where the money is in rugby... Club rugby, particularly the England English clubs, are no longer being able to dictate it. Right, and he, you know, one thing losing them to France, but losing them now to the United Rugby Championship. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's ever changing landscape. The the Italian, um, you know, they got Benetton. Uh, what, what's the other? What's the other team? There's only two teams. Zebra. Yeah, Zebra. There, there's only really two teams that are competitive. Benetton are the best by far, mm. um, so that'll be the, the ideal scenario for him. But mate, good on him if he didn't get picked up from from England. Go have a crack at Italy because gone are the days of Italy being pushovers. Uh, Monte Ioane on the wing, he is absolutely flying. If you saw that last try against England, made it from absolutely nothing. I think he got the most line breaks in the Six Nations that weekend. So they're a, they're a team that's getting so much better, and that's at the Case of Kieran Crowley, who um, you know changed their kind of mindset, their approach. Castro Giovanni, um, you got the big number eight, who Parise, you know those are legends there now that have that have gone and, and finished the game. Now they're starting to forge their own their own way through. And so yeah, good move for him.
Yeah, very good move. Uh, mm. the, the football ferns have started their road to the Paris Olympics with a 3-0 win over Tonga. Grace Jarley netted a brace and Ali Green added a penalty. Uh, the side are without experienced leaders Ali Riley and Rhea Percival and they're playing in this qualifying tournament in Samoa. The winner of the tournament gets a spot at this year's Olympic Games. And the Highlanders have announced Billy Harmon as the 2024 captain. Uh, Coach Clark Dermody said Billy leads by his actions, especially on the field. He's very measured around his delivery of messages and he's really calm, which is hugely important. He's one of our best players on the field and well respected by the team from what he did last year. And I know he's looking forward to leading the team again. Harmon's played 34 times for the Highlanders since signing in 2021. He was a Players Player of the Year last year. Picked up the Defender of the Year and Player of the Year awards as well and was a regular in the Māori All Blacks and played in the All Black 15 during their Japanese tour and was nominated for the Tom French Memorial Māori Player of the Year last year as well. Good move? Good move. Oh, look, they weren't going to go anywhere else, really. He, he captained a bit for them last year. He captained the Canterbury side this year, uh, last year as well. Um, he's really well respected. Probably the best move for Billy Harmon he could have done for his rugby career. He's just had a baby, got married, um, becoming a father. He was here, he was behind Tom Christie, had Matt Todd in front of him. He just fought for competition here at the Crusaders, even though I know they would have loved to have kept him, but they didn't. And in Hollanders, I think he's going to do a great job. It's going to be tough for them because... Outside of him, gone are the days when Nasimanu, Ben Smith were there, uh, Malakai, Fikitoa, they just had Aaron Smith, Ash Dixon. They've just lost so much um, experience. So who's really going to step up with him? I'd say Hugh Renton will take on a, a bit of a leadership role with him alongside uh, a couple of other players. So, But no, good Good yeah, announcement. Good. Yeah, they they have announced a couple of. Uh, uh, well, the vice captain is actually Sam Gilbert, which I thought was quite interesting. Sam Gilbert. Yeah. The the day like now we're seeing a lot with Super Rugby, the captains are the captains, but these the co captains are real up and coming. So that's it's it's kind of like you got a captain and you're trying to blood the next lot of captains and leaders within the group to give them the title. Is that what you're kind of seeing? We look at the Hurricanes. You got. Geordie Barrett, you got Safwa Omoa mm. that are um, taking over co-captains. You got Boshia and you got uh, Poihipi for the Chiefs. The Crusaders yet to announce theirs. I'm pretty sure, well, maybe they have. Um, but like this, yeah, it's interesting. They bring young, inexperienced players, giving them a title and saying, "Here you go." Yeah, this is your uh, this is uh, this is your opportunity. Yeah, I was just mm. thinking because there is a leadership group, including Ethan De Groot as well, uh, Sean Withy. Jonah Nareki and Jacob mm. Ratumai Tavuki Nitkins as well. Mm. Um, so that's the that's the leadership group, which is it's pretty young. Yeah, pretty young. Well, Jacob's come down from the Blues. Ratumai mm. Tavuki, he's a very good player. Jonah Nareki, injury free, could um, be very dominant for the Highlanders uh, this year. So yeah, look, that's the case that Landers have at the moment because of their uh, inability to try and entice. Uh, you know, experienced good players down to the south. They've got to build within, and they're starting to do that now. And it's it's always going to be the case for them. You know, 26, 2015 when they won the title, no one believed they could do it. Jamie Joe and still belief, and they went on and won it that year. So, yeah, bit of a bit of a building stage for them. Yep, indeed. Bunnings Trade can help you get back to work with amazing value on a huge range. It is twenty two away from seven. When we come back, Luke Alfred joins us out of South Africa.
It is 16 away from 7 o'clock. You can get hold of us 0800 150 811 or 8833. Joining us now out of South Africa is Luke Alfred, cricket journalist. Uh, good evening, your time. Good morning, our time. Luke, how, how are you doing? Um, I'm fine. I'm fine. Uh, good morning to you. <laughs> Yeah, what was the uh, what was the reaction like in South Africa to this test? Uh, I know the best players obviously are, are still in the Republic playing in your T Twenty competition. So, how much interest was there in this test, and what's the reaction been to the team that was sent? Um, well, I mean, to to answer the last half of the question first, when the team was announced. And we realized it was a second or even a kind of a third choice team. Uh, there was a there was a a lot of criticism of that um, uh, for a lot of reasons, one of which it's we think it's disrespectful to the New Zealanders, actually. Um, but th- to then to get to the first half of your question, um, the cricket in South Africa, because of time differences, starts at midnight and everyone is asleep. So, you know, m- m- people aren't staying up for it, unfortunately. Um, and the SA20 is being played at the moment. Uh, it's the sort of, it, it's the, it's quite a complicated system. They don't actually have semifinals, but it's the knockout stages now. And you know that that's there's a game taking place at the moment in Johannesburg, and so a lot of attention is on that, unfortunately. Um, when you when you look at this this squad um, squad and you go through it, like a lot, I was playing golf yesterday with a guy that played a lot of cricket, and he just kind of said it's it's embarrassing, really, that uh, South Africa sent someone. A team like this, like the Proteas have historically beaten us every single series and now they're going to wave the white flag and probably give up a, a relatively easy series. Um, what did you make of of the way that they performed and, and, and were dismantled yesterday? Look, just, I, I mean, from, from my point of view, um, this is a very good New Zealand test side and they're at home and they settled and they have some real class you know kane williamson is is a fine fine cricketer that these these new zealanders are not a pushover side by by any stretch of the imagination the south africans that the south africans that are there i think that um Biddingham is probably worth his place in a mm. first choice south african test side and for me he's probably the only one and and it's a poor side and, and the South African board were not able to get it right. Um, mm. There was a stipulation that our gun, our top players, had to play in the SA20 for their respective franchises. But the irony is that some of those franchises have now fallen outside of the playoffs. So, for example, my Cape Town, who are mm. uh, effectively an IPL franchise, they owned by the Mumbai Indians in the IPL. My Cape Town's Kahiso Rabada is not playing any cricket at the moment because they've been knocked out of the SA20 tournament. So ironically, someone like Rabada could be in New Zealand, but he isn't. Mm-hmm.
And that that could have made maybe not all the difference, one player, but that was the thing that struck me, uh, Luke, about the South African attack was just they didn't have that uh, that attack weapon, that strike weapon. They did a very good job in the first no. New Zealand innings of of restricting New Zealand and and trying and put the pressure on and, and trying to force a, a mistake from the batsman, but they didn't have somebody that could go in there and rip someone out. No, no, exa- that's exactly right. Because you get to you get to international cricket at this level, and 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 you need firepower basically, um, and you know there's there's a left arm seamer who played a little bit of Test cricket against India over Christmas called Nandre Berger. We needed Janssen, we needed Rabada, we needed Ngidi, and they're just not there. And and you, it shows now. The the golfing class absolutely shows. It irritates me, I have to say. Well, there's only a couple of that, days that, out. That's be... my South African hat coming out. You know, that's my, <laughs> my, my innate some... South African competitiveness coming out. But it does, it <laughs> irritates me. <laughs> when you look at, at the performance, you know, David Bettingham had a, had a nice second innings of 87 off 96 balls. Ran de Swat, I, I think Ran has been probably the find of, of the South African protest. He's been very good with ball in hand. He troubled Kane Williamson and, and Russian Ravindra a couple of times, but with the battens, particularly in that second innings, he was 34 knocked out, mate. So where will they go? Are they making any adjustments, changes, and how impressive has Ruan been? Um, Deswart, yes. Uh, he is talked about in South African cricket. He mm. uh, in the normal course of events, I don't think he would be playing Test cricket yet. Mm. Um, but but you're absolutely right there. Um, and yeah, I I just what was the second half of the question? Uh, will they make any adjustments, any changes? Can they afford to? Is there anyone else? Uh, well, <laughs> so given what they have in New Zealand at the moment. Um, I, I don't know. They've got it. They've got a leg spinner called Sean Funberg, who mm. who is a good uh, who is a good provincial performer, and is quite a big spinner of the ball. And I did see on some of the highlights that Mitch Santner was getting some turn. So mm. so that might be an you know that might be an option um, rather than Neil Brunt's bowling left arm spin. But, but there, there's, there's not a lot more to choose from, you know. And there's no, no chance of, as you mentioned, like Rabada's not playing, no chance of anybody jumping on a plane between now and the next test? Mm, I think it's unlikely. Mm. Uh, uh, it, 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 would also, it, it would also sort of, you know, be a bit rubbing salt in our own wound, you know, because... There, there was quite a lot of pushback when the side was announced and, and people, you know, as I mentioned in, you know, in an earlier answer. So now it would be, <laughs> it would be, draw, you know, it would be drawing attention to the, it would be drawing attention to the original mistake, you know, and, and it, mm. you know, administrators don't like to be shown to be being exposed, you know. Hey, Luke, just just quickly, the decision to leave a lot of their t- uh, best players in South Africa to be a part of the domestic T20 comp has that been a success? Have you has it made a difference making that decision? 
Look, the, it, it, it's 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 an interesting question because the you know it is a domestic competition, mm. but it's also an international competition. You know, all all England's best white ball cricketers are here in South Africa at the moment. You know, Joss Butler is here, Moen Ali is here, Phil Salt is here, um, Jax is here, Will Jax is here. Um, and and a couple of uh, Liam Dawson plays for one of the franchises, so it is a sort of domestic. So, you know, it's a bit like the IPL and the Big Bash in that there are there are international privateers, there are some West Indian players, there are some Afghani players who are doing very well, incidentally, for one of their franchises. Um, there there was a New Zealand or two. I, I think he's gone. Jimmy Nisham has gone home now. Mm. Um, but but it's 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 it is seen to be sort of the savior of South African cricket. Uh, it'll make money. The audiences have been good. There's a good international um, television feed around the world. Um, and and it's it's it, you know we've neglected Test cricket, so it's it's nice to be excited about cricket again. And it has been successful. And the decision to keep our best players back. To play in this 20-over tournament, you know, you can see the logic in that. It's just, it's just a bit shameful that you know we've neglected the Test side to the degree we have. Mm. Good stuff, Luke. Thanks very much for coming on this morning, mate. I really appreciate it. We'll, we'll let you yeah, get back to your, uh, to, to your SA20 playoff game, and uh, we'll catch up with you again <laughs> soon. Enjoy the second <laughs> Test as much as possible. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Cheers, Luke Alfred there from South Africa giving us uh, some insight from their end on that test match. It is six away from seven here on SENZ. Izzy and Ricardo for breakfast. We're a minute away from seven o'clock. Plenty of texts rolling through on double eight, double three. We're talking about Louis Liner earlier in the uh, sports news headlines. Uh, this text to go play in Aussie. You'll get pumped every week playing for Italy. Go play under Schmidt. <laughs> um, you know, no guarantees that won't happen there either. <laughs> hey, um, Izzy, don't worry about Otago, mate. They'll just keep pinching our players. They eh? used to be called Hawks Bay B back in the day. That one from Marshy. <laughs> yeah, pretty. Pretty, uh, pretty correct there, Marshy. Yep, Hawks Bay used to go down there, and also Canterbury B used to go to Hawks Bay. So we had the Canterbury B side that always went to Hawks Bay. If you remember that, don't get too comfortable, Marshy. <laughs> and we had another one through from Jamie. Of course, we're looking for Izzy's investments today. Uh, a fifty dollar uh, multi that we're going to put on. Morning, guys. Italy have improved, but Ireland will probably be too strong. Ireland paying ten bucks to win one to twelve. That's from Jamie. Good bet. It's not a bad bet. Nah, keep them think, coming I through. I think they'll get pumped. <laughs> <laughs> right, good. Okay, maybe not a great bet. Double eight, double three. Keep them coming through. Here's Araha with the latest news for Kubota. Kia ora, good morning, and welcome into Izzy and Ricardo for breakfast on SENZ. It is four past seven, and it is tradies hour with night and day. Start your morning with a hell of a coffee from just $4.50 at your local night and day. Coming up, Sam Brief out of the States. We're going to talk NBA trade deadline. Who's won the trade window? Who has lost the trade window? And uh, who maybe could have done more? We'll also catch up with Megan Williams, New Zealand BMX rider uh, with the BMX World Cup on our doorstep in Rotorua this weekend. We'll talk to her about her chances and uh, getting to the Paris Olympics. After 8 o'clock, Craig McMillan joins us to dis- dissect that first test against the Proteas. We'll have Paulie Mawadi in there too. And a Love Racing update for you. Actually, uh, 
Is he just on there? Because we just had uh, mm. uh, Robbie yeah, changing up the music there with some U2. So, uh, some yeah. friends of mine uh, are in the States at the moment, and they, and they, went mm. to the, they went to the Grammys. They did the red carpet. They did the whole lot at the, 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 oh. the Grammys. And then afterwards, they went to Vegas to see U2, right? Mm-hmm. So they saw U2 in Vegas. In the sphere. In the sphere. Yes, mm-hmm. have, a, have a stab. Have a stab at how much they paid in the sphere for two Red Bull vodkas. I will go 50 US. $96 US. 96 US. Yes. For two Red Bull vodkas. <laughs> yes. You're kidding me. No. I kid that's you not. That's a joke, isn't it? Oh, mate, that's ridiculous. How can you morally <laughs> go and serve someone that? <laughs> saying, I went to San Tropez last year, April, and I was with Beaver, and we went out to a place in San Tropez, and I bought two drinks. Yep. And I gave the lady 50 euros. Or it might have been 100 euros. I don't know. 50 euros. And I was standing there, standing there, and she didn't come back. And that's $100 Kiwi. And I was like, was those two drinks 50 euros? <laughs> Not 50 euros, bro. And I said, bro, last drink we're having here. We're out. We're, we're getting out of here. That's so expensive, some of those places. Yeah, well, uh, maybe Sam Brief can, uh, t- can dial us into the best place in Vegas to get a cheap vodka Red Bull. He joins us now to talk uh, NBA trades. Good morning, Sam. How you doing? No, you know I drink better than that, guys. Come on now. <laughs> well, good morning. I am uh, overjoyed to talk with you both. Yeah, well, we know beer isn't just for breakfast. So so what is your go-to poison, Sam? <laughs> um, it, it definitely depends on the vibe. But 90% of the time, it's going to be red wine. Okay. Mm. Good red wine, man. We'll have to get you down here. I'm a classy here. man. Yeah, well, yeah, it's obvious, actually. It comes across. You ooze class through the phone. We'll have to get you down here and try a few of those <laughs> uh, those, those, those white hecky reds. <laughs> hey, Sam, let's talk some NBA, because uh, the trade uh, window is just about to, to slam shut. Um, I guess the big question is, who's won the trade window, if you could win such a thing? Well... It's funny because I'm talking to you in Chicago because, mm. and the question here in Chicago is just how badly have the Bulls lost the trade window? Um, Zach Levine was supposed to be one of the major stories in the trade deadline of, oh, where is he going to go? There were rumors that he might head to Los Angeles to play for the Lakers, rumors that he might head to Miami to play for the Heat. And then now he's having season-ending surgery and the Bulls have no chance of trading him. So... I'm coming to you really from the land of the losers. Um, But in terms of winning the deadline, um, I do love some of the moves I've seen, especially uh, what New York has done. I mean, the Knicks in landing Ananobi from Toronto have turned a good, cute team that was somewhat competitive in the playoffs last year into a legit contender in the East. Uh, This is a team that was already looking up under Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle. But that Mm. trade with Toronto and landing a third star to that team at Madison Square Garden has done wonders. So I would say New York is a big winner. To me, the answer is easy. And I'm going back to your Chicago Bulls. you got to move DeMar DeRozan, an upcoming free agent, move Alex Caruso, who have significant value on the trade market, Nikola Vucevic, move him as well. Mm-hmm. That creates 
a start-again mentality? Is it a case of just sacrificing the season and going and starting rebuilding again? <laughs> yeah, I honestly, I think you got to tear it all down because the Bulls are in what we call NBA purgatory, right? They're not good enough to contend, and they're not bad enough to be a lottery team. I mean, if the season ended right now, they would be in the play-in tournament um, because they've got some nice young pieces. Mm. I mean, heck, they beat – Minnesota last night, one of the best teams in the NBA. Kobe White is a rock-solid player, and of course so is Caruso. They've still got DeRozan and Vucevic. So they do have to unload. I think you got to tear it down, build up some draft picks. Look what Oklahoma City has done. Teams like that that get a treasure trove of young players, that is what we need in Chicago. What about uh, Stephen Adams? Because we always have to talk about Stephen mm. Adams when we talk basketball. Mm, uh, of course. A big surprise for me that he's gone to the Rockets, but even more of a surprise what the Rockets gave up to get a bloke the wrong side of 30 who's out for the season with injury. Yeah, I, I was very surprised. They gave up Victor Oladipo, two second-round picks in next year's draft, and a second-round pick in 2025. I mean, those second-round picks... It's a cheaper currency than a first-round selection, of course, but we've still seen NBA stars come out of the second round. Um, so that was a pretty bold move uh, for the Rockets to give that up. Uh, that being said, we have seen time and time again the NBA philosophy of pairing nice young stars, and we know the Rockets are one of those teams. They've got nice young stars. They're not very good. You pair those nice young stars with the grizzled veterans with guys who have been there, done that, played in NBA finals, gone through postseasons. They are bruisers. They are enforcers. They are clubhouse leaders. That's what Steven Adams is. They gave up a bit too much to get him, but I still think it's nice to have him in that locker room down in Houston. Yeah, it'll be good to see him back out on the court. Obviously a long time since he's been out there. But what about the 76ers? Uh, Joel Embiid. You know, a Joel Embiid 76ers team is a totally different outfit. Well, they're targeting two players, Buddy Heald and Detroit Pistons forward Bojan Bogdanovic. Are they going to get them? And can that be enough to kind of fill that void of missing Embiid? Yeah, it, it, it's it's tough, the position they're in, because, of mm. course, you, you don't know exactly how long Embiid's going to be out. He, of course, is so important. Would have been the MVP if he was going to play the requisite number of games. So you you kind of do have to make mm. a move. Now, the last word uh, out of some of the insiders in the NBA, like Brian Windhorst, are that the Sixers are going to make between one and up to three trades uh, coming up uh, before Thursday's trade deadline. So tomorrow here uh, in the U.S. Um, the Pistons haven't said that they're willing to move Bogdanovich. They should be willing to move Bogdanovich because the Pistons are one of the worst teams in NBA <laughs> history, so they should do anything they can to make moves. I would expect mm. Bogdanovich to be back in a Sixers uniform by the end of the week. Um, Buddy Heald also would give them some uh, cap flexibility. He's in the final year of his contract, so you only have to finish paying him through this year. There's no long-term commitment. You just want to make sure you stay in the upper echelon of the East for the next month to two months when one of the best players in the NBA is out. Mm. Yeah, that's great. Great point. Uh, is it, would it be remiss of me to suggest that possibly the best thing the Sixers have done in this trade window is get rid of James Harden? 
Yeah, and it's the best thing they've done for themselves and now suddenly the L.A. Clippers. I mean, that looked like a disaster mm. at first because once Harden landed in L.A., they couldn't win a game. Now they can't lose a game. I mean, they are 26-5 and five in their last 31 games. They're first place in the West. So that has turned out to be the ultimate win-win where the Clippers, it's the rich getting richer, and suddenly they look like a legit championship contender. And for the Sixers, yeah, you got all the, you know, Daryl Morey and James Harden drama crap out of the way, and you can focus on the team you have, which is built around Embiid, Tyrese Maxey, and, of course, a championship contender in the East. What about the Milwaukee Bucks, mate, because they did some, they 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 made some good moves early, or what looked like good moves, getting Damian Lillard in, uh, and and uh, that looked like well, that's a, a maybe the missing piece that they needed. Uh, they've since fired the coach. They put Doc Rivers in charge. He's now one and four from his first five games. Mm. It's it's not going to plan. I I, I suppose is the understatement. Um, what is it that they are missing, and can you see them doing anything else? Yeah, you allude to that Doc Rivers stat, one and four since mm. he took over. And they've got the hardest schedule in the NBA coming up. They're still going to, uh, right after the All-Star break, play the Wolves, the Nuggets, the Heat. Those could all be losses for a Bucks team that doesn't look so hot. Now, the rumors out here, and you know, I'm not too far from Milwaukee, about an hour south here in Chicago, Rumors are that the Bucks are really interested in Andrew Wiggins, which feels like such a missing piece. Ooh. Of course, you've got Lillard to key the offense at the point guard. You've got Giannis, this generational talent, borderline seven-footer down low. Uh, but they're interested in Andrew Wiggins. It would be a really complicated deal. Uh, the Warriors apparently are quite fond of Bobby Portis, who could be that player coming in return. But what Wiggins would provide them is – just an offensive spark because that's what they need right now. This is a team that it just hasn't quite gotten the motor humming, right? They need a spark. And I do think a player like Wiggins, if the Warriors are interested, uh, would be a nice piece. The Lakers, I'll, I'll be honest, we not talk about the Lakers. I'm a supporter of the Lakers for a very long time. Um, where are they at in the season? The trades have been relatively quiet. There was talk with Deontay, uh, Deontay Murray heading there from the Hawks. Is that still happening? What, what are they going to do? And have they got a healthy squad to maybe punch on into this NBA? Are you talking about the Hawks or the Lakers? Ah, uh, the Lakers. Lakers, they haven't done Lakers, anything yeah. really in the trade yeah. Uh, yeah, window. No, they, haven't. Uh, they haven't. And mm. now they're dealing with all the drama of LeBron and you know his tweeting the hourglass emoji. And that's just so classic NBA that that, is a is a front page story but no i mean they're sitting ninth in the western conference they're barely mm. in the play-in tournament right now it definitely seems like they need to do something they've got to start shaking up that roster a little bit now of course the backdrop is the whole lebron james situation and we, we got to mm. wonder what role if any does lebron james play in them restructuring things but i do think Dejounte murray out of Atlanta would be a really nice player to come over to the Lakers. I mean, he, he's a young, quick player. He can shoot the ball. He can defend. This is much like um, what we alluded to with the Bucks. They need a spark. Like They just need this little energizer boost. It's a veteran team that can get kind of down in the doldrums, down in the drama. Uh, I could see 
DeJounte Murray coming from Atlanta, taking that long flight to L.A. and teaming up with LeBron. Mm. Where are you on, on LeBron and the Lakers? Because I, I look at it and think LeBron is only serving, uh, serving you know, his own self-interest. He's not really bothered about the Lakers. He's not Magic Johnson. You know, He's not a, 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 a one-franchise man, as it were. I mean, at what point, if, if, if you're the, the Lakers' uh, management, are you going, we need to you know, just get this guy out of here. He's too much of a distraction. He's too demanding. And uh, he's sucking up a hell of a lot of salary cap that we could be using other places to, to build something for the future. To be honest, I don't think you ever do because you're then remembered in, in NBA history as a team that gave up on LeBron James. And I mean, yes, it's a distraction, but he's not doing anything malicious. You know, he's not, um, he might be tweeting hourglass emojis and making comments that are generating headlines, but it's not like he's committing crimes and, you know, really disrespecting people. Also, the dude's averaging 25 points, seven rebounds, <laughs> seven assists and shooting 52% from the floor. This is as a 39-year-old in his 22nd NBA season. So yeah, he costs a lot of money. Yeah, he's dramatic, but he's still playing like one of the best players in the NBA right now at age 39, not to mention putting butts in the seats every night and doing wonders on the business side because you have LeBron James, who until further notice is the face of the NBA. So no, the Lakers are not going to give up on him no way it might be drama but LeBron will always be leaving and going places on his own terms has Steve Kerr and the Golden State Warriors given up on Clay Thompson I don't think so I think it's a similar <laughs> type of respect mm. like he's he, he's Clay Thompson mm. you know it's yeah I, I mean th yeah he got benched um but he, they're not going to give up on him. You know, they're just yeah. trying to shake things up. I think sometimes as a leader, a guy like Steve Kerr, who clearly is a good leader. I mean, this is a multi-time mm. champion and coach of the year. You just got to sometimes shake it up. You got to get different vibe, different juju humming, right? And and it's not working out right now. So not giving up on Clay Thompson, just a temporary mm. like, hey, let's try something new. And, and Clay even said like, hey, it's really hard. I, I'm not going to lie and say that I like being benched, but, uh, you know, he's being a, a team player amidst this pivot. Where are the struggles with, with the Golden State at the moment? Like, where do you think they're, they're, they're struggling? Like, Steph and he probably hasn't had the season he would have liked. Um, Draymond Green with the, you know, indiscretions off the court and the struggles they've had outside of the basketball court. Uh, what, where has it gone wrong for the Warriors? Where it's going long is they're just not a deep team. You know, they just, mm. they don't have enough talent that is from like the fourth position on their roster down to the 12th. Um, this is something that's plagued them in the past uh, when we've seen some, some, you know, chinks in the armor for the Warriors. Mm. It's been because they lack depth, but they've made up for it because they've had Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, all playing like the generational players they, they have been. Now, this year, you've had Clay Thompson playing poorly. You've had Draymond Green missing half the season because he can't control himself. And you've had Steph Curry playing well, but he's not the Steph Curry of five years ago. So mm. it's that the lack of depth on the team hasn't been made up for by the star power 
on the team. And those two things need to be rectified uh, if, if they're going to move forward. All right, Sam, before we let you go, who else is going to do what do you think? I mean, what is going to be the headline tomorrow that we didn't see coming? Mm. Mm, that we didn't see coming. Well, obviously you saw it coming because you're the Oracle, mm. but we, me and Izzy didn't well, see yeah, it coming. Well, I, <laughs> I mean, I'm, of course, I'm the absolute Oracle. You know, I think the, I think the Bulls are going to make a splash um, and, and unload some of these players. Um, mm. But they might get some nice young pieces in return. Maybe, maybe a D'Angelo Russell type player. Um, so someone you can continue to build around. I think they're going to make a splash by unloading. Um, so I'll, I'll say that um, even though while a lot of people think this is a team that's just kind of leveling out, they might make an unloading splash. But I'll also give you another one to go back to the team that we started with. I will say that the Knicks, a team that has been painfully mediocre for my entire life um, mm-hmm. and is desperate for a championship contender in the garden. I'll say they take a big swing. They're going to take a big swing and try to move from one of the better teams in the East to in that upper echelon, a team we talk about right next to the Sixers, the Bucks, the Nuggets, the Timberwolves, the true championship contenders. I'll say the New York Knicks take a big swing. All right. Well, look forward to seeing what that swing looks like. Sam, thanks very much for your time this morning, man. I really appreciate uh, uh, you coming on. and Always good to talk ball with you. Always a joy. Thank you for having me. Anytime. Anytime. It is 7.22. You're listening to SCNZ Breakfast, Rick powered dog. by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors, and land pride attachments. At 727, you can get hold of us on 0800 150 811 or 8833. It is Tradies Hour with Night and Day. Warm up this morning with a hell of a coffee, starting at just $4.50 at your local Night and Day. And Izzy, just before you shot off uh, at the end of the last uh, in- interview with, with Sam, you wanted to say something and you got cut off rudely because Robbie wasn't <laughs> listening. Sorry, I apologise. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot. Now. I can't remember what I was oh, talking about. It's like it working with uh, Dory from Nemo. <laughs> It was, uh, what was this? Oh, the, the, I think it was the Knicks. Yeah, no, oh, the Knicks. Mm. So the New York, New York Knicks, you have to think, their best player in the last three years has been Julius Randle. Yeah. He has been outstanding. He's, been, he's out. And, and Jalen Brunson is, is taking this team on his back and pretty much um, well, taken to a place they haven't been for, for a long time. There's talks that um, Bajan Bodanovic is going to potentially head there and be a big name potentially for them. Andrew Wiggins. You don't know, but no, they're flying in the MGS Madison Square Gardens. Been a long time since they've been like ahead of team like this for the Knicks. Yeah. that's all I was going to say. Sorry, yeah. no, no, no. You're right. You're right. You're right. Uh, earlier we were talking about great names in sport after the Australian mm. tennis uh, player Storm Hunter, who sounds like she should have her own action movie franchise. Uh, and off the back of that, uh, I got a I got a message uh, from uh, one the the. the New Zealand chapter of the Miami Dolphins fan club, um, also known as Brett, uh, and he sent us this. How's this? General Booty, right? This guy's name is General Axel Booty, and he's an American football quarterback, plays for the Oklahoma Sooners, which is college football. He's a nephew of former NFL quarterback John Booty and former Miami Marlins third baseman and NFL quarterback Josh Booty, originally from Texas. So General Booty. 
That is a great name. Sounds like <laughs> sounds like a villain in a kid's cartoon. General Booty. <laughs> General Axel Booty. <laughs> Love it. That is outstanding. Good. Thanks for that, Brett. Read Richard's one. Read Richard's message. You do well, You want me to read this? Is that, <laughs> is, is that so any BSA finds come my way? Uh, morning, lads. Back in the 1930s, there was a tug-of-war exponent in America called Paul Hiscock. Uh, he happened to marry a lady called Pauline, who was a champion pole vaulter. So she became Pauline Hiscock. Um, little known fact is that Buck Shelford translated into Russian as Ivan Akarov as well. Um, so thank you, Richard, for that extremely schoolboy humour. Much appreciated from us. Here's how the latest in news. Thanks to Kaboom. <laughs> Kennard's Hire are making back-to-work trade easy. It is 28 away from 8. Here are some sports news headlines for you. And former All Black Wing and Auckland Rugby Life member Don McKay has passed away at the age of 86. McKay, who played 12 times for the All Blacks between 61 and 63, was All Black number 618 and scored 54 points in the black jersey. New Zealand Rugby released a statement saying we are saddened by the passing of All Black number 618 Don McKay yesterday. In addition to his 12 matches in the black jersey, Don gave back to the game as an administrator at club and provincial level and was a life member of Auckland Rugby, North Shore Rugby Club and the New Zealand Barbarians. Thoughts out with his family. Mm. And Tyson Fury, he's adamant adamant, is he, that he's not even close to retiring. The Gypsy King had to postpone his title fight with Alexander Usyk due to a cut over his eye that he sustained in training, but overnight he posted this clip. I keep hearing talk of people saying that I should retire or I'm going to retire soon or whatever. I ain't retiring anyway. I've got two fights with Usyk for the Undisputed, twice. Then I'm going to fight AJ at least once, maybe twice, if there's a rematch, if he wants one, after the first battering of him. And then I'm going to fight Ngannou again. And that's just a start. So there's five little fights for you to uh, whet your appetite with. I ain't going nowhere. Nowhere. 35-year-old in the prime of my life. 35 years old in the prime of his life, is he? Well, he nearly retired after Deontay um, Wilder uh, a while back. Um yeah, it was unfortunate he got cut that got a big cut above his eye and he had to push out the fight. May eighteenth, I think, is the new date that they're gonna fight. Usyk. I'm I'm absolutely looking forward to that. But going beyond that, um it's hard to really see the desire, particularly because he's nearly retired a couple of a couple of times and the Nganu fight, well, he struggled throughout that. So people are just a little bit apprehensive on, on Tyson Fury at, at the moment. So he needs to get back in the ring and, and show us that he's hungry and, and dominant. So if that's the case, well, it's a good couple of years coming up. AJ Joshua, uh, Joshua Fury, everyone's been asking for that for years. Has it, has it lost its appeal? You know, the years have gone by mm. when AJ was the king of the, the heavyweights. Now he's not even anywhere near it. Does this have the same appeal? Probably not. Probably not, but I do wonder with Tyson Fury, you know, he's he's talked about that retirement and he's also been pretty public with his mental health struggles, whether mm. he feels like he has to keep doing this to keep on top of that. Yeah, well, I watched his Netflix series and he's an interesting bloke, but yeah, people do certain things for a reason and, and a lot of his fighting and, and his identity and his purpose to get out of bed every day is that's what he does it for because... The day, trust me, I know, when you give up something you've 
done for a very long time and you're trying to figure out who you are, you lose sight of what you're about. And I think that's the scariest, scary thing for Tyson is when he gives up, is he going to blow out? Is he just going to become lazy? And 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 what what is he? And who is he? So, mm. yeah, I think he'll, you've already did right. He'll try and hang on for as long as possible. There you go. Those are sports news headlines for you with Kennard's Hire. They are making back to work trade easy. Win a trade station gift card worth $1,000. It is 24 away from eight. When we come back, we're talking BMX World Cup with Megan Williams. It's 19 away from 8 o'clock. You can call us anytime, 0800 150 send a text to the Temper Bedpost text machine, double eight double three. Now, the BMX World Cup is in our own backyard in Rotorua this weekend, and uh, one of New Zealand's greatest hopes at that World Cup is Megan Williams. She joins us now. Good morning, Megan. How are you doing? Hi, good, thanks. Mate, you must be absolutely fizzing. What's it going to be like welcoming the best in the world to your own backyard? Yeah, I mean, it's incredible, you know, and an amazing opportunity. We spend so much time as Kiwis trying to get overseas to these huge events. So to have one in our backyard and repay a few favours and, um, you know, see all these big faces over our way is, yeah, amazing. Now, you're getting to host them on your own track, a track that you know very well, but how different are the tracks when you go around the world? Because I'd imagine they, they're, they're a, a, you know, specific, a specific um, sort of dimensions that these tracks all have to have. So how different is racing on this one to racing one in the States or racing one in, in, in Holland or wherever? Yeah, wildly different. Um, the, the guidelines um, and kind of regulations and standards that they have to meet is is uh, pretty broad. Um, and so the, the tracks are entirely different. The only kind of um, similar thing at every track is we start on an eight metre high um, ramp to start with. And the, the actual start gate that we, that we balance against is standardised. So that's the same everywhere. Other than that, it's just up to the country, the track builder, the whoever, to decide um, what it's going to be like. Is it a case, Megan, thanks so much for joining us. Is it a case, because it's in your home country, you get an opportunity to test it out before all the international athletes arrive? Or is it a case of secrecy? You're not allowed to have a crack at it before the other athletes. Like, have you had a crack on, on the track and understand yeah. what it's yeah. going to offer? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it's... Uh, um, Outside of this event, it's a it's a club run uh, track, mm. and so it's a facility that's been open to the public um, for a few years now. Um, we opened at the end of 2019, so it's actually my local my local club. So not only is it a, a home Oof. event, but like really really home event. It's yeah, I'm I'm five minutes around the corner, so and you know have the keys to the gate, so I've definitely done a few laps. Well, you'll be one of the hot favourites heading into this uh, this weekend. You only stepped up to elite level on the international stage late last year. How have you found the transition? Yeah, I mean it's it's tricky, eh? And I'm still still very young in terms of the field. Um, and yeah, so it's it's certainly a big step up, but a step that I I think I'm I'm ready to take. And you know, given it's an Olympic year, sometimes you have to you know hurry yourself along a little bit. So that's the plan. Mm. 
Now, I know the focus is on this weekend in, in Rotorua. You've got uh, Saturday-Sunday uh, competition where you can get points uh, for, the, for the World Cup and, and, and towards Olympic qualification. Uh, then the following weekend, go to, everybody goes to Australia for, for another two rounds. And then I think, is it Tucson in the US a little later in the year as well for another two rounds? I mean, how many of those are you going to be contesting? Are you doing all six rounds? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll be at, at all of them. Yeah, we've got Rotorua this weekend. Um, and then we have the Continental Champs uh, the following weekend in Brisbane. And then again in Brisbane, the, the next two rounds of the World Cup. So the next three weeks, I'm back to back to back racing um, and then home for a couple of weeks. And then, yeah, back off to Europe uh, uh, for some more training and then to the US for the final round of the World Cup and then the World Champs and then. Yeah, all of a sudden you're you're in May and you haven't blinked yet. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> mate. I mean, it, it sounds like it's got to be pretty hard on the body, right? Uh, what you do is there a way to train for what you do outside of being on the bike? I mean, are you in the gym throwing tin around? Are you doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu? Are you doing gymnastics? <laughs> are, you, are, there, are there other things that you do that help with the sport? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, plenty of hours are spent in the gym. Um, you know, strength and conditioning. Yeah. You know, we're 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 power athletes, um, so it's you know a range of things depending on the year. You know, strength, power, and speed all kind of come into play. But yeah, at the end of the day, it's being able to have as much strength as possible and move that as fast as possible. Um, yeah, it wouldn't be too dissimilar to what a you know a rugby a rugby mm. player would be doing in the gym. I'll tell you one thing right now, I won't be going and riding down those hills and jumping over big uh, big tracks because I've tried to once when I was in Waipakaro when I was a young fellow on a motocross bike and I flipped the thing. So I won't be doing that again. Um, have you had any scary moments? Can you fill us in like, yeah, I've got a lot of appreciation for what you do going down that hill at 100 miles an hour and doing what you do or jumping those jumps. It's crazy as hell. Have you had any scary moments? Yeah, sure. I mean, I've had my, my fair share of crashes. I've been, mm. I think, in the grand scheme of things, pretty lucky in my kind of, I haven't really had too much of a career yet, but in my amateur years, haven't been too, uh, you know, too badly damaged. This year I had one good um, head knock, uh, which was a little scary, but mm. um, recovered from that. And, uh, yeah, a couple of years ago, busted up my ankle a bit. Um, but, yeah, in the grand scheme of things, been pretty lucky. But, yeah, certainly a lot of... Uh, um, yeah, scary moments for sure. I bet, I bet. All right, this weekend, it's a, it's a pretty awesome moment for BMX World Cup in New Zealand for the first time ever. Is it going to be a sold-out crowd that's going to come along and support you? Have you got family members going to be there? What's it going to be like, the atmosphere? Are you able to give us an understanding of what you're hoping it could be like this weekend? Yeah, I think from what I understand, from what I've been told about ticket sales, the seating is you know pretty close to sold out it's going to be yeah pretty packed um you know there'll be people leaning over fences and yeah i mean you think about eight people fighting for their lives fighting for their careers fighting for their dreams on a track going 60 Mm. to 70 k's an hour like you say jumping stupidly large jumps (laughs) you know the, the action is insane uh when you consider all that's being packed into probably less than 38 seconds so, you know, the crowd doesn't even have a chance to think about who they're screaming for. You're just screaming and you're not sure why. But, yeah, it's going to be insane. So 
Give us a little understanding of what it's like when you're having a race. Are you are you are you talking to your opponent that's next to you? Are you giving them a little shoulder, like the whole the whole tactical side of when you're doing a race? Because it happens relatively quick, and I'm guessing the start's really important. Um, yeah, just give us a bit of an understanding of the race itself. Yeah, I mean the, the start. Um, statistically speaking, I think. It may have changed in the last couple of years, but um, for a long time it's understood that about 80% of the time whoever enters the first corner first is going to win the race. So, you know, that first straight is done in, you know, between kind of 6 to 10 seconds. That's a pretty quick time to determine the rest of your race and possibly the rest of your year. So, you know, there's a lot of of pressure and a lot riding on, you know, the the two seconds that it takes you to get down the ramp in the first place. yeah, like I say, there's there's eight people all fighting for, you know, everything that means anything to them. So, um, you know, there's certainly a lot of elbows, shoulders, you know. <laughs> there's, there's not too much talking on the track, fortunately, but you do occasionally get uh, a little bit of something out there. Um, but, yeah, it's just, you know, as high octane, as high pressure um, as you can get. You know, it, it literally is won and lost in millimetres. All right, so let's talk about the, the the draw of the gate start, the number position you are in the gates. Is that done before the race? And I'm guessing if you're inside gate, you're going to have the best chance of getting around that corner first. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, everyone kind of typically goes towards the inside. I mean, naturally, it's the shortest distance around the track. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've already got that kind of little bit of an advantage. Um, but it's not done randomly. So we're done, we're seeded by our ranking from last year um, for the first round, and then we pick our lane given the draw. So, you know, if you're first pick, then you can choose whichever one to eight you like. Um, And then after that, throughout the rest of the race day, it's all based on lap times. So if you get the opportunity to choose one to eight and you can pick any, any gate, which, which gate is your preference or is that something you like to keep to yourself? Um, it's very dependent on the track. Also very dependent on, you know, who's going to be on the gate with you. Um, and that's where that kind of strategic and tactical side does come into it. Um, you know, if you're standing there and you know maybe so-and-so is about to, or, you know, Izzy's about to get on the gate with you, you know, he's got a bit of a stronger start than you. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. maybe you That's give, right. you know, give him the inside lane or, you know, you kind of know, oh, if I take two, Izzy will take one, I'll just slot on his back wheel and then pass him in the second turn. Yeah. You know, so no chance. No that, chance, that kind of comes into it. Yeah. <laughs> just, it's, uh, yeah. No, no right or wrong answers, unfortunately. Just he'll, unfortunately, I'm not sure. Just he'll kick him in the knees as you go around the corner, you'll be fine. <laughs> hey, um, <Yeah. laughs> something like that. What do you need this weekend to get to Paris, or is it not just this weekend? What do you need in, in, in the States and in Brisbane as well? What do you need to get to Paris? Um, well, the big one for me this year, or for the girls in, the, in, in New Zealand, is... Uh, the world champs, which is in May. Um, so right now, I'm proving to my country that I'm worth sending to the world champs mm-hmm. to then mm-hmm. try to get my spot at the Olympics. Um, obviously, it's also a huge development opportunity, and you know, it, it's just an incredible opportunity to to learn and and to 
really properly step up to the elite level with the top girls and mm. kind of have a little bit of an advantage over them being that it's, you know, in my in my backyard. So, yeah, I think mostly this weekend is is about kind of development and learning and, you know, trying to perform on the world stage and, you know, also just enjoying a home World Cup. There's not that many people who get to experience that. Um, and, yeah, the World Champs in May is, is where my big kind of moneymaker is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just trying to give myself the best build-up into that. Brilliant. Brilliant. Backing you. Izzy's Back all over it. Yeah. He's fist pumping. You can't see him, but he's fist pumping yeah. at the moment. Megan, yeah, I'm fist um, pumping in the camera. <laughs> Get up, Megan. Right I, behind you this week. Listen, we, we wish you all the best for this weekend and, and for what looks like it's going to be a busy three or four months for you, Megan. Mm. So go well. Uh, and uh, it, just before you go, it, is this going to be covered on Sky? I mean, if people can't get to Rotorua, where can they see it? Um. I'm, I'm, it won't be on Sky, I don't think, but it is very easy to find on YouTube. Cool. Um, if, yeah, as of the weekend, if you chuck in BMX World Cup, UCI, BMX Racing, anything that's along those lines, it should come screaming up at you, and the live streams are awesome. Yeah, it's, it's, it's TV coverage without the TV part. Beautiful. Megan, best of luck to you again. We wish you all the best, and uh, yeah, you're a champion. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Cheers. Six away from eight here on Izzy and Ricardo for breakfast on SENZ. Powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors and land pride attachments. Well, we're coming up to eight o'clock. Double eight double three is how you get hold of us. That is the Temper Bed Post text machine. Izzy's investment. We need some options for that $50 multi we're going to put on from the TAB uh, today. Cam from Blenheim sent us uh, through a four-leg multi. For the investment, mm. Tarapa race six, number seven, Legato to win. Tarapa race seven, number two, Adam, I am to win. Caulfield race six, number one, High Octane, a place. And Caulfield race eight, number four, Asfura to win. It's paying $11.34. What do you reckon, Izzy? There's a big weekend of racing. That's a good bet. That's a good bet. But, mate, there's such good racing this weekend. And uh, we'll go through the fields for love racing. But, yeah, stay tuned. Yeah. Big hour ahead. Big hour, big hour. Here's Araha with the latest in news. Thanks to Kubota. Take on any job this summer with Kubota's range. Kia ora, good morning, and welcome into Izzy and Ricardo for breakfast on SENZ. It is five past eight, and coming up this hour, we're going to catch up with Craig McMillan, former Black Cap himself and Black Cap batting coach. We'll also hear from Tim Southey as well before nine o'clock. Plus, Paul Mawadi will join us, and we'll have a Love Racing update for you. Plus, we need to... Uh, Finalise Izzy's investment or Cuzzy's mm. Koha, as it's been called, or Dagger's <laughs> donation. Uh, uh, Brett has sent through a text here. How many legs are we going to do for Izzy's investment, Dagger's donations, the Cuzzy's Koha? Because I gave one out before Christmas. Izzy took it, came in, but we got rivered by old mate Magnifique. Mary Shan, top four race for the group two at Tarapa, dollar eighty. or are we looking for more meat on the bone? Well, Magnifique ruined me the other day. So that's the last chance for that horse. I'm moving on from it. Uh, look, I don't know. There's been a few. John sent through a same game. Multi. He's gone. McCaffrey touchdown. Rishi Ross touchdown. Travis Kelsey touchdown. Isaiah Pacheco touchdown. George Kittle touchdown. Like, 
Same game multi, paying 34 bucks. It's a hell of a long shot, and you know me, I love long shots, so I might head down that line, mm. or I might go Daniel Hillier, top 20 in the Qatar Golf Open, boosted odds, $3.50. Cheers, Chris. Well, our next guest loves golf, so we better move on. We can't keep him waiting. No, we cannot. We cannot. A man who's taken more money off Izzy on the golf course than most. Uh, Craig <laughs> McMillan joins us. How you doing, mate? <laughs> Morning, guys. Mate, how was uh, how was four days in Tauranga? Uh, I mean, it was it, it looked on the outset like it was going to be pretty predictable, but the South Africans, given who they didn't have, put up a hell of a fight. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of expectation on New Zealand heading into this Test match in the series, really, wasn't there? Because it's not the strongest South African team that we've ever seen. Um, six guys on debut, um, a lot of experience missing, so. All in all, I thought it was an outstanding performance from New Zealand. They got everything right, really, from the start where their selection, they went with the spinner, they went with Mitchell Santner instead of Neil Wagner. Um, Normally New Zealand played the four-seamers, don't they, in New Zealand conditions, but they felt it was going to be, it was a little bit dry and it was going to turn, and that's how it proved. And um, they also played Ratchin Ravindra at number four, and he um, repaid the faith with 240, so they got all things right, and it was a pretty good performance. Oh, let's be honest, Mecca. That was a club team out there, mate, running down there at 125 clicks an hour. You would have loved to have faced that, and I reckon you would have got 100 facing that attack, mate. What, what, what did you, like, when you look at this series, is it good for Test cricket? No, it's probably not, is he, to be fair? I mean, South Africa were here a couple of years ago, and Dean Elgar was the captain, and what a gritty, tough, test performer he was um, and you remember we bet South Africa in the first test at Hagley mm-hmm. and then the second test a week later at Hagley they came back and bet us South mm. Africa have been our bogey team in test cricket for years that was only our sixth test victory in 48 test matches against South Africa and we've never won a series so what we have to do is make sure that if they've sent a and they have sent a below par team to our shores that we beat them we beat them well yep. And we, and we make a little bit of history as well and send them packing. And I think New Zealand did that over the last four days here in the Mount. Now, we had a text through earlier from Rob um, on double eight double three. He said, Tim Southey averages over 40 in Test cricket against Australia, and that was when he was bowling in his pomp. Simply put, Southey and his bowling buddies will be batting practice for Steve Smith and co. Um, so he sent that through, and I was like, well, you know, it's, I, I guess he's got some stats there to back that up. But how helpful is this series against South Africa, given that we are leading into Australia? Yeah, look, it's time in their legs, Ricardo. It's, it's time out of the middle. It's you know, they're honing their game, so they'll be full of confidence from, from you know, I would say, winning these two test matches. Obviously, they've still got to do the job in Hamilton. Um, and Australia, remember, coming off a loss against the West Indies. So, look, we, we, we hardly play Australia. It's a real frustration for me. It doesn't matter what format, whether it's T20, ODI or Test Cricket, we very, very rarely get to see Australia on our shores. So, as everyone is, that's the highlight of the summer. Everyone's looking forward to it. And I guess... They are the, the benchmark in world cricket at the moment, so that will tell us exactly where this New Zealand side's at. Kane Williamson, um, Macca, like uh, his his domination, 31 test centuries for the Black Caps now. Um, you know, his performance, his career, how's he operating? Like, it wasn't long enough, long ago he had a knee problem. Is he, is he coming back to his very best? <laughs> He's a freak, is he? He's an absolute freak. He's a genius. I mean... He's hardly played any cricket in recent times. Um, he did a wee hammy, didn't he, a couple of weeks ago. 
um, in yeah. Pakistan, Greece, and he comes back after playing no cricket for three weeks and peels off a couple of hundreds. Um, he's just, you know, he is at that top echelon in terms of world greats. Um, you know, there used to be the debate about was he New Zealand's best batter. That's not even a debate or a conversation anymore. He is miles ahead of anyone else. Mm. There's daylight between him and second place. And that's not being disrespectful to probably Martin Crowe, who's number two, who was an amazing player in his own right. But with 31 test hundreds and averaging 55 um, from close to 100 test matches, um, yeah, he is our world great. So I'm looking forward to the battle of him up against Steve Smith because their careers have paralleled quite a lot over the years. Um, the only factor is that, you know, we just don't play enough test cricket. I mean, Kane Williamson's played, a, what, 97 test matches. Mm. Steve Smith's played quite a few more. Joe Root's played quite a few more with England. And if, you know, Kane Williamson had played as much cricket as those guys, he'd probably have 40 test hundreds by now. Mackett, I was, I was sitting with your good mate yesterday. You know, I'm talking about he goes right at golf. And we were talking about the errors. Well, mm. this era... They're probably desire to bowl really quick is probably not there. You're not seeing the quicks that were around when you were facing out there. Is that a huge difference at the moment that we're not seeing that out and out heat from our bowlers? Yeah, it's an interesting one, and, and errors are always very hard to compare mm. and and yeah. not not going down that that. that <laughs> train of thought to be honest is um <laughs> but you're not seeing the out and out speedsters anymore are you and, and you know through our era we were either lucky or unlucky depending on which way you're looking at that, that we got to face some of the quickest bowlers that have, have played the game but um mm. you still can't take it away i look at the modern day bowlers is they're very skillful um yeah. you know they have a number of different deliveries that um perhaps weren't around through our era because of t20 cricket um, mm. bowlers have to evolve and change and get better, which I think has been good for the game. Um, but there's certainly not the heat that um, that was going around when, when we played through our era. But there's still a lot of very skillful bowlers in this Australian attack, mate. They are, mm. they are on top of the game, and they're going to make life very difficult for our batters. So that's going to be intriguing to see how that plays out. Craig, I'm interested to uh, talk about, about Kane as well and, and why he is so good. Because, I mean, I grew up, uh, when I was a kid, I remember watching the end of Glenn Turner's career and then the beginning of Martin Crowe's career. And, you you know, you mentioned Crowe. And I think those guys are probably, along with maybe Ross Taylor, the three best uh, batsmen outside of Kane. What do you think puts Kane apart from those guys who were also so very good? <laughs> It's so hard to define, Ricardo. It really is because um, those greats, or if you've got a little bit of genius, you're not quite sure what it is, but there's just something there that's different. Um, I think he has the ability to pick up length um, and and the ability to see the ball from the hand and pick up length earlier than than other players. And we're talking fractions of a second when you're facing bowlers that are bowling 140 to 150k, which gives them a little bit more time because you always hear the saying, oh, he looks like he's got time, and, mm. and the great players do have time. They're not rushed. Um, he's a problem solver. He's one of the best problem solvers because I've seen and I've talked with him when I was part of the coaching setup. And he would come in at lunch after being batting for the first session and, and struggling a little bit, and, and he would tell me what was going on, and he was struggling with this and struggling with that. And so I'm going to just change my back lift a little bit and probably my grip. I'm just going to loosen my grip a little bit because that will allow me 
a little bit more access through the offside, which is where I think I have to hit the ball. So in terms of being a problem solver, he does it on the run. He does it mid-innings, whereas a lot of guys will come in at the end of an innings and say, oh, I really struggle with this, you know, like I couldn't work out how to how to get around this. He, he doesn't. He solves those things on the run. And, and just the ability to play the ball late, you know, the, we talk a lot about it. He plays, lets the ball come to him, which again buys him a bit more time, plays the ball so late, and he plays with soft hands. I don't know if you saw during the test, he actually nicked mm. a couple, and, and most yeah. unusual for him, nick a couple, but they didn't carry through to the slips because he doesn't play with hard hands. Anyone else would be trying to hit that ball hard through cover and would push their hands out and then the ball carries further to the slip court and he actually just lets it come to him and it dies off the edge and that's just part of the greatness and part of the skill that he possesses. You saw the leadership he was uh, showing when Russian Ravindra was a little bit rattled in that first innings, went down there, talked him out of uh, a few a few shots and just really cooled and calm and collected with Russian. Um, speaking of time, Devin Conway, he's struggled probably. I think his average has gone from 54 to 43 in the last year. Um, what have you made of Devin? Is it an easy fix? Is it confidence issue? Is it his game technical? Yeah, it's probably a number of things, to be fair. I mean, we know what a quality player is, so that's yeah. first and foremost. And he's yeah. not going to get dropped by New Zealand. They're going to give him nah. plenty of time to find his way back into form. Um you know, he's played a lot of cricket in recent times, mm. and, and sometimes when players are playing around the world um, at franchise cricket and um, you know filling filling their wallet up, there sometimes is a price to pay in terms of getting mentally tired, and they have to realise that that sometimes there is <laughs> something that they have yeah. to realise that yeah, I can play a lot of cricket, but there is going to be an effect somewhere. This this is sort of the first time that he's really struggled in terms of scoring runs yeah. and outputs. So, it's something that he's probably dealing with. I think he, he had a little break. He had COVID a couple of weeks ago, so he missed some cricket. And to me, he just looks rusty, boys. And I don't think he's far off. It was probably one of the reasons that New Zealand had a little bit of a bat in that second innings. They thought, we'll give the bowlers a rest, and it's probably a good opportunity for Conway to have another bat and spend some time at the crease. And, you know, he got 29, but he faced 68 balls, and he'll be better for that bat in the second innings. Still wasn't at his fluent best and, and still got some work to do, but he's not far away. But New Zealand mm. need him at the top of the game when the Aussies get here, no doubt. Yeah, no doubt indeed. Well, we head to Hamilton uh, now, Macca, for this uh, second test. Uh, you talked about playing the spinner in Mitch Sandler versus uh, Neil Wagner at the Mount. Do you see it, that changing for Hamilton, or do you reckon it stays as is? It's going to be a really interesting one, Ricardo, because actually Willow Rourke, the young Canterbury mm. fast bowler, comes into the New Zealand squad. So mm. um, do they bring them in the squad and actually play him, or does he just stay come in the squad and stay around the team? If you're bringing him in, to me, you play him. So... That would be the change. They'd leave Santner out and bring O'Rourke in. Um, but Santner ended up with six wickets, bowled really well. Looked, um, He struggled in re-ball cricket for a while, but that's the best I've seen him bowl for some time. So it will all come down to conditions in Hamilton. If there's more green grass and it looks like it's going to go through, then they might go with the fourth seamer. I th- the other option they've got, and this might actually be where they go, is they leave Cole Jamison out because... Jameson's just come back from injury. Um, mm. There's four test matches in a row, pretty much, and they'll be worried about him because they need him against the Australians. So perhaps there might be a change here where they leave Santner in, but they bring in O'Rourke or, or Wagner, the other two options, for Kyle Jameson. 
so that he's going to be fully fit and rearing to go for that Australian Test Series and they're just managing him after he's come back from a long-term injury. Mm. What have you made of uh, Matt Henry's return um, from that hamstring injury? I know Robbie, our producer, was a, was a little bit filthy yesterday. He had a <laughs> he had a bet on at the start of the test for Kane to score 100-plus <laughs> runs and uh, Henry to take five-plus wickets, and he got stranded on four. <laughs> so he was a bit filthy, mate. But where do, where do you reckon Henry is at the moment? <laughs> well, I thought he bowled beautifully in that first inning. So I thought he was close to New Zealand's best seam bowl with three for 31. Um, he was at his awkward best, just nipping around, um, and I thought he bowled beautifully. It was interesting yesterday, boys. The New Zealanders went to that short ball attack, and that is mm. not a job that Matt Henry does very well. That is not one of his strengths. And then Tim Southey went to it as well, and, and he didn't do it so well. And Benningham actually managed to sort of hit it around the ground and, and put a bit of pressure back on the New Zealand guys. That's where perhaps they miss Neil Wagner because that's the role, that's the job he would have done in those circumstances. But then Jameson came on and he was more equipped with his extra height and bounce to actually do that short ball thing. So Matt Henry and Tim Southey, when they're just bowling normal, pitching the ball up, getting a little bit of wobble, a little bit of movement, they're world class, both of them. So that that's the roles that they have to do. And yesterday they changed it up. It didn't quite work, but they still got the job done. Yeah, they did indeed. And so did you and your teammate. Uh, great job on the call uh, with the with the TVNZ coverage. Enjoyed that. Uh, keep it up, mate. And uh, looking forward to the second test. Thanks for your time. Cheers, boys. Thanks very much. Cheers. Cheers, uh, Macca. Craig McMillan there with us. And yeah, interesting to see uh, what they do do with Willow Rock because he's right. I mean, they're bringing him in. Mm. Do you bring him in not to play him? Probably not. Yeah. You want to win the series, don't you? Um, mm. But then you run the risk with Kyle Jamison coming back from big major, you know, back injuries and so on. And the importance of him having that height and speed against the Australians is probably the the key factor there, building towards that test series. Um, yeah, Willow Rock, Mitch Santner struggled with the ball with the red ball lately, but bowled really well. What does the pitch do in Hamilton? Is it going to break up and offer turn and and, and variation? Towards the latter of that test match, like I think those are the those are the keys. Whether they do start with Mitchell Santner and and then Devin Conway, you know, just he ain't gonna get dropped. It's probably just the confidence thing and and the importance. He's played so much cricket. I think that's the concern that I was talking about earlier on. Like IPL, ODIs, and then you come back and play test cricket. Money on offer over there is tiring a lot of our big players. And Devin looks a little bit tired, maybe. Maybe. Maybe that is the key. Mm. Uh, we want to hear from you, double eight, double three, on uh, what Macca had to say there around the Black Caps and that South African second test. Also, we need your uh, tips for the weekend. Weekend's best tips uh, to get in for Izzy's investment, or as Cam from Invercargill has said, given that Izzy's picks are no good lately, we should call it Ricardo's Riches and then we'll hey, get yeah, paid. Yeah, yeah, what do you reckon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah no. No, that's not happening. 8.21 here on SENZ. It is breakfast with Izzy and Ricardo. Powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors and land pride attachments. It is 8.26 here on SENZ. 0800 811 or double eight double three, And we are looking for options for Izzy's investment. And uh, Izzy, have you got yours sorted? Do you know what you're going to take yet? Ah, look, I, I want to go out and go for a roughie because that's all you tipsters are. You're just throwing out roughies, left, right, and centre. So I'm going to go safe. Is this safe, though? I don't know. Um, Ian, I'm going to go off Ian today. Yeah. And I'm going to go Scotland 
to tip France over at Murrayfield this weekend, 1-12. to Paul Williamson has been banned for two games. They're at a crossroads, no DuPont. And I reckon Scotland will do the dirty over them at the home. That is paying $3.40. Ooh, so that's, that's what good. I'm going with. Ian. Ian, Ian at three dollars forty. What are you going? Dollar five, favorite. What do you got? Uh, now, got uh, Brian has sent one through earlier this morning, which I quite like. Wellington Phoenix play Western United this weekend. Western United are the bottom team in the league. Phoenix at the mm. top. Uh, you can get Phoenix to lead at halftime and full time at two dollars eighty eight. Good bet, you reckon? Yeah, it's a really good bet. I think. I think it's a really good bet. And they, well, and they, you're the stopper, so I feel for you. <laughs> so uh, if we put the three dollars forty, Scotland one to twelve over France, and the Phoenix lead half time and full time at two eighty eight. Robbie, what does that come to? Thirty dollar bonus bet. Uh, four hundred and thirty nine sixty. Thirty. Fifty dollar bonus bet. Oh, it sounded like you said thirty. I said fifty. Yeah. Oh, fifty dollar bonus oh, bet. All right, sorry. Um, it's fifty. And it's like Saturday. Oh, right. you can't Proper don't English. say Saturday. You don't say fifty. He's got his hood. 15. He's got his hood up. I reckon he's been listening to that gangster rap and all the way in this morning. Oh, he's now he's talking with his with his no fifty cents. Okay. <laughs> what is it? Sorry again. I got four hundred. What was it going to pay? And thirty nine dollars yep. sixty. Beautiful. Nice. Like so it. you, Ian, and and oh, what's who? Brian. Brian. You you take half, and then me and Rick go the other half. <laughs> Is that how it works? <laughs> I think Ian gets half and Brian gets half. I think that's oh. how it works. Yeah, okay. yeah, unfortunately for us. So that's $219.88 each. Well, it's good maths. That's good maths. I like the list. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, you sold it. You sold it to me. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Actually, on the I was reading an article on uh, Rugby Pass. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the, basically, the French. It's about belief with the French. And uh, this article basically said that the French with, don't believe that they can win without Anton Dupont. Uh, basically, that's hun- that is. Uh, that is, is that, so right. It's like. Asterix without his potion in the Asterix Noblex. <laughs> They're like, France without Anton Dupont is like Asterix without his potion. It's like Beavis without Butthead. Mm. It's like Izzy without Kempi. You know, like that's just, that's, there's a lot, you know, where you just do not believe you can do it. Mm. And honestly, they are a very emotional team. And they will be thinking that, that without the best player in the world, arguably, they can't win. They can't win. So Scotland will get up and we'll win our multi. Boom. That's what we like to hear. It is coming up to 8.30. Paul Mawadi is going to join us shortly. Right now, though, here is Araha with useful Kubota. Take on any job this summer with Kubota's range. 28 away from nine here on SENZ. Izzy and Ricardo for breakfast. Check out the Grand Tour Hub at tab.co.nz. Bet safely. R18. Paul Mawati. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning, Ricardo. Good morning, Izzy. Now, yeah. we, we have just put on uh, Izzy's investment for the week, uh, as we're now calling it. Um, and uh, we've gone Scotland to take France by mm. 1 to 12 at $3.40, and the Phoenix to lead half time, full time against Western United at 288 What do you What do you think, Paulie? You like that? Um, I, I really like the Phoenix um, bet. They, uh, they've been playing very, very well. Of course, that top of the table clash. Um, on what was it a few days ago now? Um, a nil-nil draw. Um, Zawad is a big out for them, I, I guess, but they've got enough there, I think, to uh, take care of business uh, in this coming game. So yes, I do like the Phoenix uh, leg of that multi. So yeah, I, I think you guys are a big, big chance. 
Um, oh, you don't like you don't like my league. They don't. Well, you know, well, I didn't. You don't no, give Scotland a that. chance over France. Well, you just you pretty no. much just talked about Ricardo's league. Like, come on, yeah. it's a fine no. league. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I, look, I don't. Of the two, I prefer Ricardo's league, but I think Scotland are a good chance as well uh, against France. Although France will be looking to uh, bounce back after that. Um, that drubbing they took against the Irish. So, yeah. No, right. Scotland's certainly I'll, I'll a chance. You, I'll leave you two to yeah. it, eh? You two have your little comments. Okay? You, you go hard. See you later. <laughs> now, oh. I heard you talking earlier this morning about uh, Fanny Schmeller. And um, I just, it, re- it reminded me, it reminded me because I saw that episode on The Chase when that question was asked mm. and Bradley just. He could not keep a straight face. He struggled to, uh, well, keep composed. Um, but there's that um, other program, that Michael McIntyre program, where he breaks it. Well, he breaks into a celebrity's house at about one or two in the morning, and then rushes into their bedroom, turns the lights on, and then starts asking them questions. And one episode, he did it to Bradley Walsh. He broke in there at a one or two in the morning and he brought Fanny Schmeller with him <laughs> to introduce to Bradley. In the, in the it, was, it was fantastic. And um, he asked her, how do you actually pronounce your name properly? And she said, Schmeller. So there you go. That's to help you boys out. Thank you. Schmeller and There you go, Rick Doll. You, said, you told me it was, say, it was Schmeller. Well, that's how they said it on the TV show. On the on the chase, right? So uh, maybe they just did a comic effect. I don't know, uh, but yeah, yeah, no, good. Thanks, Paulie. Because um, there's been plenty of plenty of horses and dogs with good names, right? I mean, I remember the the old footy show when it was Fatty Vaughton and Sturlo. They had a uh, they had a they bought a greyhound. They called it Nads, and then they would play their races, and they'd all just sit around going, "Go Nads, go Nads!" Like, you know, so that was always a good one. <laughs> Very much so. Um what else are we going to talk about? Well, I did. Come on, I was leading, I was leading into a great let's horse name something. Some, <laughs> let's talk about oh, well, some racing, no, I, okay? I, because Tarapa this weekend, the Herbie Dyke Stakes, we've got the BCD Sprint, we've got big racing, we've got a tissue making a comeback over in Australia. What do we got, Paulie? Where's the money going? Yep. Before that, I just want to mention the Matamata races from yesterday. Mm. And race two yesterday was the two-year-old race. And the uh, Kelso-trained Philly Alabama Lass uh, Mm. won that race over 1,100 metres. And she ran 0.05 seconds outside the track record. Not for two-year-olds, but for all ages. So it looks like the Kelso's have a very, very sharp filly uh, in Alabama last. So uh, look out for Sammy Spratt. Yes, yeah, Sammy Spratt a ball yesterday. Um, so that was an impressive uh, victory there by, I think she won by almost 10 lengths in the end. So super, super run by Alabama last yesterday in that two-year-old race. Look out for her. Um, but as you, as you said, there's a big, big day. It's Legends Day at Tarapa this Saturday. Um, I'm just having a look at the fields now. The Herbie Dyke, the Group 1 Herbie Dyke, uh, the favourite there, Legato, who um, knocked out uh, all number of multis on TOB Caraca Millions night um, when she finished second. 
Uh, but she's a mm. dominant favourite again in the Herbie Dyke. She's a dollar seventy-five, and once again, she's very, very popular with multi punters. So Legato, uh, a, fa- a hot, hot favourite in the Herbie Dyke Stakes. Uh, Campionessa out of the Tiako Barn is on the second line of betting at six dollars and fifty cents, um, and the defending champ Sharp and Smart uh, is eight. Dollars eight fifty into eight dollars. So, but lots and lots of support for Legato and the Group One Herbie Dyke Stakes on Legends Day at Tarapa. Mate, it's hard to see anything stopping Crescetti in the BCD Group Sprint. Whitech, ridden by um, Opie uh, O'Sullivan, Scott Stable, Farrell Galeone. We know what happened there on the Karaka Millions. There's all the money going on Crescetti. Can you see anything else being it? Maybe Quintessa. Well, the way the money's going at the moment, um, you'd have to say unlikely. Um, yep. Rashidi has been very, very well back then. Um, from that run uh, on TOV Karaka Millions Night, you'd have to think he's uh, mm. a very, very good thing. So at the moment, as you say, favourite at $2.30. Um, I'm just looking a wee bit further down the page to see if there's been any action anywhere else. There's been a wee bit of money for Quintessa uh, at $7. Of course, I think Stacey Jones uh, is part of the ownership team there. Uh, and a little bit for the Lance Noble-trained uh, Cambridge stud Habana at $21. But no, the bulk of the money in that uh, BCD uh, group sprint is on the favourite with Warren Kennedy aboard Crescetti, $2.30. Nice, Paulie. Hey, a uh, quick question for you, mate. I mean, yesterday you talked about race two and Alabama last getting that win. I looked at that field because you, when you came on yesterday, you said there's only five horses in it. And so I took out the the uh, the, the outsider and I boxed the other four for a trifecta and it came in, obviously. Um, at what point does the TAB look at those fields and go, uh, we're on a hiding to nothing here? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Um... Look, I guess if if one or both of the favourites run outside the top three, um, then we get to, we get to scoop a, a wee bit of cash our way. But um, I guess yesterday was just a, a nice little, uh, almost a perfect storm for punters to, who like um, small fields and to box up a few, leave one out and and make a little collect. So oh, I'm glad that you. Uh, Got a, a bit of cash flowing your way there, Ricardo, and and I hope that continues. Um, so do I. I don't yeah, seem to just, be getting these five hundred dollar multis at uh, bonus bets that Izzy gets. I, they don't seem to be landing in my account. It just has for some reason. I'm not sure why. <laughs> yeah, I'll, uh, I told you, you that in secrecy. <laughs> I told you that in secrecy, and you've just gone and blasted it on air. Wow, way, Ricardo. <laughs> I'll hand you over to our bonus bet department. Uh, <laughs> they'll, they'll be happy to take uh, your query there, Ricardo. Hold the line, please. Hold the line, please. The Waste, the waste Management Open this weekend. The Waste Management Phoenix Open. I'm actually did. I loved it. Ryan Fox is having a start, mate. Is anyone having a bit of confidence on Foxy? Oh, great. He's our worst result. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> yes, in a word, yes, uh, Favourite at the moment, and boy, oh boy, 
a significant mm. favourite too, Scotty Scheffler at $5.50. And this is a very, very good field as well. Justin Thomas at 11, Max Homer 17, uh, Jordan Spieth at 19, Sam Burns 21, uh, Benny Arn uh, at 29. He's been showing a wee bit of form again. Uh, the Australian Minwoo Lee is also at $29. Uh, the Englishman Matt Fitzpatrick at $31. Uh, but our worst result, and he gets in... Um, with the scratching of another golfer, I forget who dropped out, but Ryan Fox at $131 to win the mm. Waste Management Phoenix Open is by far and away almost our, not just our worst result in the golf, but he could be our worst result for the whole weekend if he was to get up and win that. And you have to think, he's, he's probably, his temperament and his personality is probably suited to the party atmosphere, certainly the party atmosphere yeah. that they have on the par 3 16th. I don't think that will um, uh, knock him uh, off course. I think he'll um, embrace it, uh, and I, I get the feeling he might be a wee bit of a, a fan favourite as well. So Ryan Fox at 131, um, very well backed by Kiwi. Well, if anyone knows that, it'll be you caddy Paulie Moati. You caddy for him, mate, for a couple of holes, so you'd know. Is he looking good? Was his swing looking sharp? I'll tell you what, if he can um, play well with an absolute numpty like me carrying his bag, then he's, he's set for the season, I would say. I'd say that 131 on him today is, is value. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's a very nice guy um, and he's very well balanced. So, um, I, think, I, I think he's going to have a very, very good season. Um, so mm. look out for Foxy, of course. He'll be on a number of uh, events on the PGA Tour, um, and I can't wait to see him at Augusta. Beautiful, Paulie. We appreciate you coming on, mate. And if anyone knows, it's you wearing the, the whites there, uh, caddying for Ryan Fox. 131. Appreciate it, mate. Uh, we'll let you go, eh? It's been long enough yeah, for you. Cheers. Don't, <laughs> don't forget, Super Bowl as well this mm. Monday. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs, two dollars and three cents. San Francisco Forty Nine is a dollar seventy three. Um, the boys will be putting out all sorts. Of, in fact, there are plenty of markets here already. Heaps of power plays for the punters to get stuck into. Um, I think we've got a same game claim uh, on that as well. So place a uh, three or more leg same game multi on the Super Bowl, and if you miss by one leg, you can get a bonus bet up to fifty dollars there. So. Um, Oh. Plenty, plenty of opportunities. Just 50? Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, Joking. actually, oh, hold on a minute. Oh, what? Hold on a minute. I'll put you wrong there. We've got, if your three or more leg same game multi misses, you'll get a bonus bet up to $50. So it's a, it's a free swing. That's wow. something you would love, Izzy. <laughs> if it's free, it's me, Paulie Moana. You're always looking after me, mate. Appreciate you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, check out all the odds, promos, and boosted odds of the Grand Tour Hub at tab.co.nz. Bet safely. R18, it's Love Racing next, 16 away from 9. It is at 11 away from 9 on SENZ Breakfast with Izzy and Ricardo. 0800 150 or double eight double three is how you get hold of us. Time for a Love Racing update. Loveracing.nz, your home of thoroughbred racing. What do you got for us, Izzy? 
Oh, everyone knows I love this mare, and I'm a fan favourite. And there's a couple of supporters out there as well. I think uh, Dean is an owner, and he tunes into the show. Multiple Group One winner, a tissue, will commence what could be a lucrative autumn campaign when she heads to Caulfield on Saturday to contest the Group One CFORR Stakes 1400 metre racing in the silks of New Zealand syndicated Go Racing. The tissue was a standout over Melbourne Cup week finishing runner-up to fellow bred Pride of Jenny in the Group 1 Empire Rose Stakes before going one better seven days later. We all remember in the Group 1 Championship Stakes, 2,000-metre daughter. Savville had two leading trials ahead of her first assignment this weekend, and please train her Chris Waller with her work at Caulfield on Tuesday. A tissue can win a spot in the All-Star Mile this weekend or the Group 1 Futurity Stakes over the same course in distance a fortnight later or the Blamey Stakes Group 2 next month but could also be a recipient of one of the several wild cards on offer if she weren't to win on the Final Four and you're in races. So uh, she's up against it though. It's a big race on Saturday, racing for 815,000. Well, number one is a class favourite and that's Mr. Brightside paying $1.90. Pericles, uh, written by Mark Sahara, is number two. But yeah, a tissue paying 13 bucks is back after a pretty successful last season end of the year. Nice, nice mate. Mm. And uh, anything else that you like that you want to steer us into for the weekend? Uh, yeah, I'll have a, I've had a wee look at the Saturday racing at Tarapa. It's bloody good. There's some very good horses that are on offer. Um, you got the group one, Herbie Dykes, uh, on Legato, I think will be too classy for that. I think it'll win it comfortably if ridden and given a chance to do so by Ryan Elliott. I'll be completely honest, I don't think he gave it a good chance in the TAB Karaka Million, so Legato to run the Herbie Dykes. And then you've got the Sir Patrick Kogan Carapedal Classic for 350000 I think Adam I Am. Adam I Am is, had a start, I think, in Hastings last season, and it won convincingly. It was mm. my friend's memorial race, Dan Disposo. I went to school with him. Adam I Am, ridden by Nabba. I think that'll be too good, paying two bucks. And then you've got the BCD Group Sprint. I just can't see anything beating Crochetti. The way it raced at the TRB Karaka Millions, it just brained them. It's a big, orange, like a really fiery, big, musty. It looks, it's just a beautiful horse when you get up close with it. Tall, lean, looks fast, and I just can't see anything beating it. So those are the three for me. Legato, uh, Crochetti, and then Adam I Am. Mul- big mul- races. Multi those up. Yeah, have a crack. I'll probably stop them. But hey, you, you asked me and I gave you the answer. <laughs> you did. You did, mate. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Like it. There you go. That is our Love Racing update featuring Peking Duck, Sir Dave Dobbin, Z, and the Black Seeds. Book now at the Grand Tour.nz. Actually, there's a, a, another tip that's come through from uh, Zlatan at Rickerton Race One as a tip for Saturday as well. Okay. Oh, Rickerton Race One. Hold on. Give me 10 seconds. I know okay. you got to get off, but Rickerton Race One. Salatan is paying four dollars fifty. Mm. Corey Campbell, there you go. Never heard of him, but there you go. Might be a good jockey. Might be, might be, it might be a good tip. So uh, maybe bank that one as a as as a roughie for the week. It is seven away from nine. Louis Herman, what up next? And we're about a minute and a half away from at nine o'clock. We'll have uh, the latest in news and sport from Araha. But uh, after that, Louis Herman Watt takes uh, the helm for through till midday. G'day, Louis. What do you got up uh, today?
Uh, Rick, Izzy, um, good to see you boys. You be careful, otherwise they'll start texting about your other host, uh, Ricardo. Uh, we've got we've got a big show today. We've got now we're going to talk uh, football with your man David Ball. What a servant he's been to the Phoenix mm. through the years. He's a ripper, isn't he? He is, mate. Fantastic, uh, top bloke, and uh, man, he works hard for a bloke of uh, his vintage. I reckon mm. he covers more uh, more more of the park than just about any other player in a in a Phoenix shirt. So you did hit the score sheet this year, but it doesn't really matter because you're right, he's just a workhorse and he sets the tone, doesn't he? Kind mm. of, um, he's, he's, he's like got that greeny kind of vibe to him a wee bit. Um, we're going to talk to Jamie Wall. We'll do a bulletin with him, mate. Um, I've got a chat I'm really looking forward to with Glenn Curry. He's the Coast to Coast Director because that's underway down this, this part of the world. Uh, I guess it gets underway tomorrow, I suspect. Is, is um, um, Skip McCaw uh, partaking this year, do you know? Oh, he's sick for it. He's surely, he'll be somewhere. He'll be in a kayak somewhere because he's just, that's the sort of guy he is, you know, somewhere. It might not even be in the coast to coast. No, I dare say he would be, but we can find out. We'll ask that question. And Stephen Hunt to talk a little bit of racing as well. Yeah, beautiful. Good stuff here. Louis, in for you after the latest in news and sport from Araha, who takes us now for all of that to keep you up to date. Thanks to Kubota. Take on any job this summer with Kubota's range.